Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, if you're just joining with us today, um, you've kind of figured out by this video bumper that we're in the middle of a message series entitled Hold the Anchovies, uh, just a little uh, tongue-in-cheek way of talking about the life of a man by the name of Jonah. Now, if you're in this room and maybe maybe by some chance you've never heard the story of Jonah a lot, it's a very famous um, story from the Bible. Uh, it has a lot of correlations to our lives today. Um, but we've been looking over the last couple of weeks about a man, and, and basically Jonah is much like you and I. You see, in life, there's a lot of us, if you call Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, and if you try to live your life to say, all right, God, I want to do what you want me to do. I want to make sure I make wise choices in life, and I pray that you're with me as I walk through them. Jonah was kind of like you and I, where sometimes, all of a sudden in life, there comes a decision where God says, Terry, I want you to do this, but we say, but God, I don't want to do that. And that's what happened to Jonah. God came and said, Jonah, I want you to go to this city of Nineveh, and I want you to talk to these people. And Jonah said, but that's not what I want to do. In fact, not only do I not want to do that, I have my own plan, my own desires. And so I'm going to run from you, God. And there's a lot of us that do that, where all of a sudden God says, do this. And we do the exact opposite. We run as far away from God as we possibly can. And that's what Jonah did. In the first couple of weeks, Jonah ran as far as he could away from where he was supposed to be. And he ends up on a boat in the sea in a storm last week. If you were with us last week, a storm strikes And all of a sudden, people are panicking, and there's a storm in Jonah's life. Um, But actually, if you read that portion, and last week we camped on it, even in the midst of a major storm where all of a sudden everything around him is collapsing, Jonah was asleep. And we talked last week about a lot of us in life where we go through and we run from God as far as we can, and there's storms swirling around us, but we are asleep. We're not even realizing that things are about to collapse And so in order to illustrate this and set this up, because we're going to take it from there and we're going to take a look at what happens to Jonah, how Jonah has that pivotal moment in his life where he says, okay, fine. Okay, God, you win. And I am going to start to cry out and to listen to you. In order to set that up, you know, the truth is, is Jonah is being brought and called to account. He's being brought to accountability. God chases him to a point where you got one or two choices. We're either all going to go down or you're going to finally face the truth. Illustration of this, I went to the doctor some time ago and, you know, we go to get a physical and different things like that. And the doctor comes and he kind of looks. And at that time, um, you know, I come from a family and we all have different genetics and DNA and, you know, high blood pressure, cholesterol, all that other good stuff. And the doctor, you know, says, all right, you know, hey, you know, so where would you say do you feel that you're at? I feel I'm fine. I feel like everything's great. And then I go ahead and, and he says, well, we're going to do a blood test anyway because you might feel that you're great and everything. We'll do a blood test and send it in and everything else. And when I called, the doctor said, okay, now you really got to watch your cholesterol. You really got to watch your weight because right now your, your body is telling you that you're unhealthy. I feel great, doc. I know what you feel. But the truth is, is that if you don't start taking care of yourself, you're going to have to go on medication um, because your body is really telling you that you've got to make a change in your life. So all of a sudden, I did what most of us do. I I pulled out of a closet somewhere buried beneath everything that dreaded evil thing called a scale. And you put that scale down, and none of us like the scale. We all hate the scale. It's terrible. It's awful. We don't want to deal with it or go near it. And the scale lies. Let's just be honest. The scale lies. 
And so I remember going on the scale and I remember it was just a rough day for me because I remember I, I, I just wasn't happy with where I was. I wasn't happy with what the doctor said. Um, but what does the scale do for our lives? Um, it makes us miserable. No, but in, in actuality, the scale calls us to account because we all might feel great and I felt great and I told the doctor I feel great and everything's great. But our feelings are much different than truth. And, and a scale gives us a measuring point. It gives us a starting place. It gives us accountability. And that's why I think we hate the scale. Because we feel something, but we don't want to face maybe a truth that is different than our feelings and emotions. And Jonah wanted to run as far away from God and not face accountability. That he is my Lord, he is my God, and I should be doing what God wants me to do but I'm running and I want to sleep and I want to ignore it and I don't want to be called to account. And so in life, I think there's a lot of us in this room that are like that, that we, from a spiritual standpoint, we don't want to face the scale to really address what is true in our lives. So we're going to learn a lot from Jonah today. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Jonah chapter and we're going to begin in Jonah chapter one and we're going to start in verse five just to catch up. But you can follow along on the screen because we're going to jump around a little bit as we continue this story about Jonah. So we leave off Jonah's in a boat on a sea. Everything's raging, crashing. The sailors are going berserk and let's pick it up there. Jonah one five. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their little G gods. And last week, if you were here, we said the sailors, they're like, we got to do something. The boat's going to collapse. So let's shout out. Let's cry out to our gods. And during that time, there were all different kinds of gods. We know the true God. But back then there was the God of Baal, which was the God of thunder and lightning and storm and weather. And so they're crying out to Baal. Okay, God, we'll do whatever you want. Just stop. But it's the little G gods. And we said last week that some of us in this room, when we panic and we have a storm in our life, we do everything we can to call out to our gods. All right, I'm going to call for this helper. He has the answers. He has the truth. He's going to help me. This will get me out. This decision will get me out. And we called to little G, to little G, to little G, to little G. And they did this. And they called for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. And I think for a lot of us in this room, we don't want to go to the scale. We don't want to go to the truth. We want to do everything we can to fix it by ourselves. And so Jonah finally wakes up. And it's where we begin this journey today because Jonah says, you know, it's me. I've been running from God and it's time to stop. Pick me up and throw me in the water. And so the sailors, they continue to try to do everything they can to fix it, but they finally realize, well, listen to him. They grab Jonah and they throw him overboard into the water. Now, the great thing is for us, when we read that, we think, great, he's going to die. Great. The storm in his life, he he waited too long. He's going to die. But the thing about God is, is that God loves his people. And you're going to see the amazing love of God here in this moment. Take a look at this. This is Jonah chapter one, verse 17. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. Now, some of you in, pause right there. Some of you have grown up, Jonah in the whale, Jonah in the whale, Jonah in the whale. You sing songs, different things like that. Well, one thing, and some of you might just take this and write this down and then you're done for the day. And that's okay. But uh, some of you, it's nice to know this, that actually what theologians will tell you that it wasn't a whale that actually swallowed Jonah. It was a great fish. And so just to make theologically, accurate. I'm going to refer to it as a great fish, not a whale. Um, that, that was for free. It wasn't in the notes, but I just thought I'd give it to you. Anyway, continuing on. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days 
and for three nights. If you know anything about the Bible, you know there's correlations between three days and three nights. And theologians will tell you this foreshadows Jesus Christ in the grave for three days and three nights. Now, why was that important? Why was that special? Take a look at what Jesus has to say, and you're going to learn a lot from it here. Jesus, this is going further in Scripture. When Jesus was alive, he actually talked about Jonah. Some of you actually say, that story's not true. That wasn't real. That didn't happen. Well, Jesus Christ himself on this earth, talking to the people, actually referenced the story of Jonah. Take a look at this in Matthew 12:40. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. This was so important to Jesus that he wanted to reference it. Here's my question to you and to me when I'm sitting or studying it. Jesus, of all the things you pull out of Scripture, there are many people who read the Bible who don't believe that story of Jonah just because of how far fish fest it is. Why then, Jesus, would you draw back to this story? It has to be some significance. There has to be some importance to it. And let me draw it, and we're going to pull it out here in just a second. But here's the truth. And then God just really gave me this word. For some of us in this room, we run from God as far as we can. And we get to a place where we become close to one foot in the grave, spiritually dead. And Jonah Drowning in that water is as close to being spiritually dead as you can be. And the Lord arranged the fish for him to be. And so now not only is he in the water, but he's in the belly and the gullet of a big fish. You talk about being in a grave place. And he correlates, Jesus correlates that place that Jonah was in to the same place Jesus was in. If you don't know much about Christianity, hang with me. Jesus Christ in that period that he died with our sin. Sin represents death, separation from God. And one of the worst, the worst moments for Jesus in that moment was taking on our sin to the grave for three days. You want to talk about a place with a foot in the grave, a place where there's no hope, a place where there is death, a place where there is hurt, where there is pain? Here's the truth. There are many of us, and what Jesus was wanting to warn us is, is that some of us are walking dead. You ever see the TV show, Walking Dead? Some of us are walking dead. That we say Jesus is my Lord and Savior, but as we're walking along inside, we're spiritually dead. And the reason why Jesus brought this out to you and to me is to say, Terry, is your spiritual life like you're in the grave? Yeah, you recognize who I am, but spiritually, are you talking to me? Are you making decisions based on what I want or are you running from me? Are you running so far from me that you found yourself today in this church listening to this word and spiritually on a scale of one to ten, you're a one. And what Jesus wanted you and I to know is, this is important, guys, wake up. Because I'm going to reference it. Because for some in this room, you got one foot in the grave. Now here, if you're sleeping, wake up. Because this next scripture is the most powerful scripture of Jonah, I promise you. And I don't want you to miss it. Take a look at what happens, Jonah, in the belly of this great fish. See what he does. Take a look at this. Then, Jonah 2.1, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. Then Jonah from the belly of this fish prayed to his God from inside of it. Now, some of you are saying, that's the most amazing scripture. Yes. And I'm going to show you why. Because this was the first moment that Jonah woke up. 
This is the first moment that spiritually he said, God, I'm sorry. God, I want you. God, I want you back in my life. God, I want to start making decisions for you. God, I'm here. Save me. This is the first moment in the whole book of Jonah. He's running, 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 running. And he finally stops and he turns and he says, you are my God. I'm awake. And do you want to know why I know know this is true? I want you to see one chapter earlier how Jonah talks about God. Take a look at this. This comes from 1.9. Jonah answered when he was talking to the sailors, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Jonah looked and he didn't say, I am a Hebrew and he is my God. He said, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, the sea and the land. You see, Jonah in his life, he knew of the God, but he had not taken the moment, not gotten to the place where he finally said, you are not just the God, you are my God. Let me illustrate this another way. On the stage, you see this scale here, this old fashioned scale. And you see a big G and a little G. Here's what I would say. I think there's a lot of us in this room that know the God. That in our life, we know, oh, yes, I know God. Yes, that God, he's great. Yeah, he created the heavens and the earth. Yeah, he's great. No, we've worshiped the God all the time. Yeah, I go to church and I worship that God. That God is amazing in this and that. But let me ask you a question. Is he the God or is he your God? Because if he's your Lord and if he's your God, that means every single day of your life, people know that he's your God. You cannot possibly live on this earth and have a Lord and a God that is yours and people not know about it. It is impossible. There is no way you could do that. That would be a miracle in itself to live a life where you have an incredible God, an incredible Lord, and nobody knows about it. And Jonah ran as far from the God as he could. And he finally gets to a place of being one foot in the grave, spiritually dead. And he turns around and says, my God, my God. How does this happen for some of us? Because right now there are some people in this room that you're looking and you're asking yourself, is he my God or is he the God? And some of you don't know where you're at. Some of you know, you know what? He really is the God in my life right now. He's not my God. Some of you, you're kind of looking at this stem right here and you're saying, I think I'm right here. I'm somewhere in the middle. And this morning I was doing an illustration in our first service and I was saying, what are some things that move us on a scale? Because if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I think all of us will move from little G to big G all the time. Here's what moves us in our relationship with God. Take a look at the screen. Some of us, we have success in life. And those successes where all of a sudden, maybe in our first job, we say, my God, I need you. My God, I'm going for an interview. My God, I'm nervous. My God, I I don't know if I'm going to get this job. I don't know if I'm talented enough. I don't know if I can do this. So my God, I need you to be with me. I'm going to pray before I go in. I'm going to ask you to give me wisdom as I answer the questions. My God, if it's your will, give me this job. And you leave the job interview and you say, man, I blew it. It's awful. This is terrible. And they call you back and they said, hey, congratulations. You got the job. Yes, God, it was not me. It was you. It's incredible. It's awesome. At that moment, you recognize big G. It's your God. But then something happens to us. You get that job and you walk along and all of a sudden you have great success. And then all of a sudden, you know, people like you and they say, man, you're so talented. Why, thank you. At first you're saying, no, 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 it's all God. It's not me. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. 
And then all of a sudden, the next day, you know, you have this big meeting and you used to pray before all your meetings. And instead, it's like, no, I got this. It's not a problem at all. You know, it's no big deal. I I can take care of it. Hey, did you prepare for this? I've done this a million times. I don't need to prepare for anything. And all of a sudden, when you started out where you have an amazing God who gave you everything, you haven't talked to that God. You haven't relied on that God. And all of a sudden, you begin making deposits in the little G. Now, here's the funny thing. I thought when I bought this that the scale would actually move. It doesn't, so I'm going to do the moving for you. And so that's what happens. For all you business presenters or leaders, make sure you test your props before you get on stage. Just saying. That's how God and I have an interesting relationship. He likes to remind me of who I am and who I'm not. And so you put it in little g, and we do that. Some of us, it's dangerous familiarity. When we find what we like about God, we have the tendency to stop learning. Here's the thing. Some of you became a Christian, and you started walking and learning, and every day you learned something new. You started reading. Maybe you picked up a prayer time. Maybe you picked up a devotional. Maybe you found a church, and all of a sudden you've started doing certain things, and you found a rhythm. But the problem with a rhythm is, is if you stop learning in that rhythm, you move backwards on the scale back towards little g, where all of a sudden your prayer time, it consists of, Dear God, thank you so much for this meal. Amen. How many of you at night have gone to actually pray to God and say, Dear Lord, thank you for this meal. I mean, I mean God, sorry, sorry. I'm, I, you're on automatic familiarity. You're in a rhythm. Your relationship with God is no longer to your God. It's to the God. Yeah, there's a God up there and I'm supposed to pray and be thankful. That's not personal. When you have a personal relationship, when he's your God, you get to the end of your day and before you even open your mouth, you say, Father, I'm here. Let's talk. God, I, I, I was short-tempered with my bride this morning. And God, while I apologize to her, God, I, I just I, I need you to help me to be patient in that moment. And so God, please, um, if you could help me as a man to really learn to be patient. That's when you start transitioning and you start making deposits into big G. Imagine the scale doing this now. There you go. There's also disappointment There are some of you that don't like the God. In fact, there are some of you right now, and I'm just going to be honest, whether you're watching online or up in the balcony, there are some of you that you know that right now that's your relationship and you're okay with that because you're angry at God. And now before some of you supersonic Christians start looking and saying, how dare you? He's awesome. He's my savior. Don't you dare. I understand pain. I've used this example. If you've ever been a pastor and you've sat with a family that's lost a child at the age of two or three or birth, you understand pain and disappointment. And it's very difficult for someone that goes through something like that. It's very difficult for them to call out and to say, love you, my God. Because in that moment, they don't understand, my God. How could this happen, my God? And you go through pain and you go through disappointment. In that season, it's really easy to move from my God to the God. Because you know what? I don't even want to deal with you, God, because I can't even understand. And if you're here today, I want to tell you, no one in this church, if, if you've not gone through that, they don't know the hurt and the pain and the disappointment you've gone through. And I want to tell you that. I don't know that pain and disappointment you've gone through. But I want to tell you something. Did God want that to happen in your life? No. He wanted us to be perfect in the garden with an amazing relationship with him for all time. And sin entered the world and caused all of this to happen. Death, sickness, pain is caused by sin. And no, God did not want that to happen to your child. 
And when I get to heaven, I'm going to have a lot of questions for God. But here's the one thing I do know is that he loves you and he loves me. And he sent his son to die so we could fix this whole thing. And that's how much he loves us. Some of us, we don't have time for God. And we live our life because we're too busy. And when all of a sudden God becomes that God out here that we're too busy for because we don't have enough time, you definitely are pouring in to the little G in your life. It's what I like to call the G scale. And if you're sitting here and saying, Terry, I think I'm over here, but I want to go back. Let me do some compare and contrast on this scale. Take a look at the screen. For some of us, if you're little G, that means you're inconsistent in your spiritual life. Now, here's the thing that I will say, and most pastors won't. There's a lot of pastors who will get up here and will tell you exactly how you're to have the perfect relationship with God. I'm not going to do that because I don't believe there is a perfect thing you can do. Because God created me different than you, different than you, different than you. I, have, I am weird, I will tell you that, and God knows it. God and I, we have a very unique relationship with one another. And I love it because guess what? He made me uniquely Terry. And that's what I love about God, my Father, is because He designed me. He made me love the Cubs even through 108 years of infamy. But that's what I love about my God. And all of you are different learners. You have different tendencies. Some of you are visual. Some of you are auditory. And so I'm not going to stand up here and tell you exactly what you need to do to have the perfect relationship with God because I don't believe it fits everybody. Everyone's different. But what I will tell you is whatever it is, whatever your learning style, whatever it is that you walk through, you need to be consistent. If you're a dad and your biggest thing this Father's Day is you want to be known as a great dad and you not only as a great dad, but you want to be known as a spiritual leader in your home, I can promise you, you want to move to Big G, you've got to be consistent. You can't say it and not do it. Guys, I've tried it in my past. It does not work. Consistency speaks to the posture of a heart. And for some of us in this room, we need to do it. Someone once told me that I beat up on the guys a lot. Sorry, because I'm a guy, so I do that. Ladies, you have to be consistent. There, guys, feel better. I hope you do. You've got to be consistent. Here's one thing that is not anything super formula. You have to have a consistent prayer life. And some of, some of us in this room, we're afraid to pray to God because we don't know how to. Guess what? Hi, God. Guess what? I can even right now, he's here. Two or more gathered, he's here. And prayer is talking to God. So right now, he's listening to me. And right now, I can have my eyes open. I don't have to bow my head. I don't have to close my eyes. I can just sit here and say, God, great. I'm excited you're here. God, it's awesome. God, did you see what she wore today in church? I'm just teasing. This is just a joke. I'm just pointing in general. God's here. And so for some of us, if you want to be growing and moving to big G, you've got to talk to God every day. Talk to him in your car. Talk to him when you get up. The God is when we don't recognize or talk to him at all. Because then we don't really know our God. We don't. Next one. Some of you go to church. And some of you are the church. And there's a big difference in between. I've done both. I've gone to church. I've checked it off my list. I felt good about myself. Hey, at least I go to church. I'm going to tell you something. There's a big difference between going to a building and actually being connected to the body of Christ. Being the church means you have a purpose for being there. 
It means that you're going there to say, I'm a part of the body of Christ. And God, you have someone in the body right now that needs me to encourage them, needs me to pray for them, needs me to put an arm around them. You have someone in the church that is there to do the same for me. God, there is someone that is seven years old that doesn't know Christ and you've gifted me with kids. And so as a part of the body of Christ, I'm going to pour into that seven-year-old's life because I am the church. When you go to church, you go sit, you sing, you soak. And that means, yeah, I go to church to worship the God. But you're moving away from who big God is. Last thing I would say is some of you run from the truth. There's biblical opinion and there's biblical fact. Little God is, is oh yeah, I know God. I know he, God would never do this, this, and this. Beware. If someone comes up to you and says, God told me to tell you something, beware. Now there are prophets in the Bible and I'm not going to poo-poo that. There are prophets in the Bible and there are individuals who God gives a word for someone. I will tell you that. But that is a very serious moment. And so what I would tell you is be very careful about how you talk about the God and how you talk about the Bible with regards to kids or with regards to anybody else. Some of you, you talk about God a lot and you have a lot of opinions. Trust me, I've read Facebooks about God. I want to caution you. One of the worst things you could do is talk about God in a sinful way. Think about that. Right now, there's a lot of talking heads on Facebook, social media, and on the media, and they're talking about God in a sinful manner. That does not coexist. If you're doing that, you worship the God. You don't worship your God because your God speaks truth and your God would say, when you speak truth, you speak truth in love because that's biblical. You don't tear someone down and rip them apart. I did it for you, God. No, you didn't. You did it for the God, not your God. And so where are you at on the scale? I've picked on you a lot, haven't I? Where are you at? Some of you need to move. Some of you need to start serving. I say this, some of you are sitting and some of you are serving. Some of you need to start being the church. We continue on. So here's what Jonah does. Jonah's sitting there and all of a sudden he prays to his God from inside the fish. Take a look at this. Jonah 2, 1 through 3. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God from inside the fish. Verse 2, he said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble and he answered me. You need to know today, you can go to sleep after this, but some of you in this room, when you finally say, I need my God, and you finally stop, maybe today, maybe tonight, and you say, God, I have run and run and run, but tonight I want to tell you, you're my God. Here's the great thing about God. You are running, 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 and he will follow, 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 and right there, and as soon as you cry out, guess what? He answered Jonah. He didn't say, I'm going to do the same thing you did to me. You ran for me, I'm going to run for you. God doesn't do that. He says, I love a heart that turns to me. He answered me. I called you from the land of the dead and the Lord, you heard me. The land of the dead represents in a couple places. One, when Jesus Christ goes to the grave, it's called the land of the dead. It's called Sheol. The same place that Jonah was in was called Sheol. Sheol, biblically defined, is this, that you have one foot in the grave. And if you worship little G, and if little G is in your life, then inside your heart right now, you're close to spiritually dead. You've got one foot in the grave. And what Jesus wanted to warn you and I about is, be careful when you're in that place. And the great thing about that place is when you finally recognize it, you say, my God, that God desires a personal relationship with all. 
So don't let anybody tell you he's mad at you. He won't listen to you. He doesn't care about you anymore. When someone says that, it's biblical opinion and not biblical fact because he desires a relationship with all of you. If you're taking notes, and I'm done, if you're taking notes, write this down. When you move from knowing who God was, little g, he's the God of this, the God of this, the God of this. When you move from knowing who God was to knowing who your God is, you find passion, you find purpose. If you've lost your passion, you've lost your purpose, it's because right now you're worshiping little g. And God is calling you back to worship your God. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, um, Lord, even just looking out in this room, Lord, I, I know in my heart there are many individuals who are looking at that scale and God, their heart sinks. God, like Jonah, they've been running and running and running and they're hurting and they're, Lord, maybe in a state of embarrassment, maybe in a state where they don't want to talk to you. Maybe they're running from you because they don't want to deal and face accountability, Lord. They don't want to go to the scale because if they go to the scale, they know that it'll measure them. And when it measures them, they know where they'll land. And so, God, I pray today that you would speak into their hearts. I pray that they would realize, God, that there's no greater place to be than accountable with you. So, Father, right now in this room, I lift up every Christian. I pray that no matter where they land on the scale, maybe they're in the middle, maybe they're in little G, maybe they're close to big G. God, the biggest thing and the best thing we can do today is to take one more step closer to you. God, we don't want a foot in the grave. We want to be alive. I pray for the non-Christian, the one that's skeptical. The one thing I would challenge you today, maybe you don't have it all figured out. Good, guess what? You don't have to have it all figured out. All you have to do is lift your heart and say, dear Jesus, change me. Forgive me. Change me. If you do that, I promise you, you will have passion. You will have purpose like never before. So Father, in this room, may you speak directly to hearts May they move on this scale and may they finally look to you and say, you are my God. We love you, Lord, and we bless you. In Jesus' name. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.com. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.